Morning News Express continues on WFMD. Bob Miller, Chris Michaels. We've got a special guest in the uh, studios uh, with us this morning. Uh, Dan is here. Dan, um, am I, am I, I can say your last name, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Dan Sullivan is uh, joining us. Dan, you were in the Frederick City Police Force, were you not? That is correct for 19 years. How many years? 19 years. Just retired. That's a long, well, congratulations on your retirement and, uh, thank you for your service. Uh, first of all, what makes you want it? What made you want to be an officer of the law? Well, I'm originally from uh, Frederick City, or the Frederick County area. Uh, I served in the military and just felt like giving back to the community. Uh, I love Frederick City. I love the area. And with my skills that I learned and everything, it just felt like an appropriate place for me to go. And I applied and got accepted. And um, anything that kind of, uh, and we're going to get to certain parts of uh, your story, but uh, anything that stands out to you in your career that uh, that you're so proud about? You know, this is uh, the most important thing. I think I, the thing that strikes me the most about being a cop and the thing that I love the most is like on just a nice day when you drive around and you see all the families just having fun or just walking and smiling, walking up uh you know, the creek, walking on the creek or walking in town shopping and just going about their lives in a average happy way. I think that's the thing that filled me with pride is knowing that I did that. You know, I helped do that. They're safe. They're happy. They're having a good time. And I'm partially responsible for that. And that made me that always made me feel good. That's one was kind of one of the driving forces for me staying in law enforcement and loving the job. The camaraderie among other officers, the people that I work with are all good people. Uh, that helps get through the hard times. So, Well, and, and, you know, knowing that people are walking around feeling safe is a good thing, And uh, but not all the time did people feel safe. And they're, you know, 18 years, so some people will be like, well, you probably could have gone a few more years, but th- did you become disillusioned by what was going on in the force? Well, I think across the nation, everybody's seen kind of the shift in law enforcement in regards to, you know, defund the police and stuff like that. There's a lot of frustration in the job now that didn't exist before. There's a lot of things that prevent you from kind of doing the right thing or the thing that would best solve a problem with the least amount of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of negativity and low morale that's going around. Uh, especially from the court systems, seeing what happens in the court systems, seeing preventable problems released back on the street and then have them reoffend in a more violent way is certainly uh, certainly made it toxic. And that is something I think all officers are experiencing across the board at this point, that toxicity. We'll talk more about that coming up. Dan Sullivan is our guest this morning in the 8 o'clock hour of the Morning News Express on Free Talk 930 WFMD. Free Talk, you just can't ignore. 930 WFMD. 
819 at WFMD. Retired police officer Dan Sullivan joins us on the uh, Morning News Express. And one of the reasons why Dan wanted to come up, come on the uh, program is maybe bring some light to some issues that uh, that police have dealt with over the years while he was on the uh, force. Um, and one of the things that I know it was a story, and I don't know if you were involved in this or not, was um, where there were, the, the, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of when it happened where there was a police shooting or they were trying to shoot the police and um, that people tried to kill cops and they're, you were upset that they're, they're, when they went to court, they're not facing any jail time. Yeah, so since February 11th, 2022, there have been four officer-involved shootings. Uh, the first one was uh, Dominique Lewis, who shot Officer Brian uh, Snyder and Officer Kristen Kowalski. Both of those guys were members of a squad of which I was a supervisor and they were on my side of the town. Mm -hmm. Uh, happened to be off that day, but, uh, yeah, they got shot. I met them at, uh, shock trauma and everything like that. But long story short, uh, Dominique Lewis was found not criminally responsible. Right. Out of the other three shootings, uh, one of the suspects passed away. The other two are, uh, one is in veterans court, not facing any, uh, jail time and you have the december chris kringle uh shooting on december 8th uh 2022 <clears throat> sorry right. uh, and i was involved in that one and that guy isn't getting charged for any of the crimes of him trying to kill me he was charged with the crimes in which he got into the gunfight with david gray in the middle of uh south street there and he was charged with those crimes uh, he was offered 12-year plea deal, and I think they knocked it down to 10, and then he decided not to take them, and then that's going to trial sooner or later. If it goes so, to trial, I'm sure they're looking for a plea. So let's go back to the first one I, that you mentioned. That was just recently, the video of that was just recently released. Um and it was a very, uh, as if I'm correct, that's the one I'm thinking of, correct? Yes. Yeah. Correct. And it was released, and you could see, and I'm not sure the names of the, the officer I see on the, his uh, camera, where you could see the blood dripping out of his uniform while he's still trying to, trying to apprehend the subject. That is correct. He got shot uh, above the body armor in the chest, yeah. and it exited his armpit. He's yeah. lucky to be alive. Yes, and um, and thank you. Thankfully, that he is. Are Are you saying that um, is the state's attorney is the state's attorney's office being soft on crime? Because I know I know Charlie Smith, and who is the state's attorney, and he would say that he's pretty tough on crime. So I would uh, disagree with that uh, in certain. I would agree with him in certain areas like domestic violence. Uh, Brett Angle, I think you had her on the show recently. She's an axe-wielding Viking when it comes to uh, prosecuting those crimes. Like she's all about it. She's that's that's her life. She's t she's hard on it and she goes after it. Uh, violent crimes, a hundred percent soft. Every time you see uh, Frederick Police or uh, Frederick County Sheriff's Office press release, I challenge every single one of you to go into Maryland Judiciary Case Search and look up that individual and see what crimes he's been charged with and see what crimes were dropped and then see that he gets like 15 years sentence, but they suspend all but, you know, three years of it, which means he's going to serve one year before he gets paroled 
and then he could take advantage of a numerous other things to get out earlier. So it's like, look at that. Look at that and then think, hey, are they, is he really being tough on crime or is he just putting up a show? I think he's putting up a show, especially when it comes to violent crime. Are we, are we, okay, so are we blaming the state's attorney or are we going to blame the court system? Are the judges that have been appointed and elected, are they the ones who are more soft on crime? Are they, uh, have you talked to anybody in the, uh, in the state's attorney's office and, and they're like, we can't, you know, here's what we want and we're not getting it? Well, so that's true in juvenile crime. Their hands are tied there. Like the laws that have been put in place, juvenile crime, they don't really have a choice. But a plea deal is worked out between the defense and the prosecution. And then goes when they come to an agreement, they take it before the judge. And then the judge decides, you know, whether to accept it or not. And they always do because it's obviously a worked out agreement. Um, But there are times when they go to trial and there's certain circuit court judges when you bring you know, 20 drug charges in front of him, he immediately cuts out half of them. You know, doesn't matter whether he committed them or not, or the evidence, we're not even, you know, they're, they're gone. And then they work it from there. And they like to hit him with, like, flashy numbers of, like, you know, here's 20 years uh, sentence. And then on the back end, they're like, okay, now, now we're going to suspend 18 years of that, you know. And it looks nice when you're like, oh, he's guilty and he got 20 years. But then when you start talking about, what's suspended and then when you start looking at what's going to be uh you know when he's ready for parole it's like no time at all we're talking with uh dan sutherland retired police officer in the frederick city uh frederick city police um rank and file i mean if you talk to other people or you know if you talk to the have you talked to the chief of police while you were on the force and saying you know what i i, I can't handle this what's going on does uh, does the chief of police um does he have any say on what happens when it comes to this and is he is he going to bat for you guys oof um i have had a couple of meetings with him i will say uh we are very different people and uh, we would disagree on probably a lot. I think he is more concerned with uh, public perception than he is actually with morale within the police department. I think he will gladly come out and initiate a program for like mental health and stuff like that. He definitely does that. But like in regards to like going out and proactively getting with the state's attorney's office and battling this like that is not something i've seen him take concern with i have brought uh this problem at least uh, my shooting up with him specifically in a meeting and i mean that is from all I, I saw fell on deaf ears so and he also it isn't his lane to a certain extent it isn't his lane to get involved with the uh like a criminal proceeding i mean he right. does have an obligation as a you know, an agency head to get with another agency head and work out problems. Now, where that line is, you know, I can't really tell you. I will say I think he needs to push more and harder. But did does um did this did this cause you to leave the force early? Yeah, yeah. I would say the last four years have been rel- rel- relatively toxic and not a good experience. I mean, if somebody tries to kill you and right. they don't face any criminal charges, what does that tell me? My life's worth. What does that tell you all the other cops who are out there on the street, you know, ready to run into active shooters, which a squad did on that, you know, uh, day at the Fort Detrick and over on 
progress drive like we ran in there you know not knowing if he was in there or not and you know save the two guys that were shot you know we're going to think about that in the back of our head whether it's conscious or subconscious thought that man this guy might try and kill me i could get killed and he's going to be found not criminally responsible or they're not even going to bother charging him with that you know so that's in the back of their minds when they're getting ready to handle crime for the public most of them if not all of them overcome that and go out there and do it anyways but i could be lying to you if i said that they weren't thinking about it at least subconsciously what about um frederick city fop lodge i think it's 91 if i'm not mistaken um what part do they play in this if any i mean to get the entities that you've been talking about to work together to maybe be a little tougher on on sentencing and punishment so one, uh, Charlie Snyder's great. Love him. Good guy. Definitely fights for the cops. I have nothing bad to say about him at all. I will say that me coming on the radio and doing this is by far stepping outside the norms of uh, police officers. How many times do you hear a police officer complaining about the system and how it's uh, set up and how it's performing? Uh, we usually try and stay neutral, and this is definitely not a neutral position. I'm, I'm obviously taking... Uh, taking a stance on something. I think it's an important stance, and I think the public needs to hear it from the officers uh, because we're the ones doing it day in, day out. Uh, however, it is definitely, I'm definitely going to ru rustle some feathers within my tribe or my group, you know? Yeah, and, well, I mean, you're now retired, so yeah. there's nothing yeah. that we'll can, talk. <laughs> we'll talk can more be with, uh, held Dan against, against you, you or, or repercussions. And if you have if one, you're still, if you're still in the force, you would not be able to do this. We'll talk more with Dan Selma against some other questions. When we return, and if you have one, want to hear from you, 301-694-9. Morning News Express on WFMD. 301-694-9363. So, I had somebody text, and it was just, it wasn't anything, but uh, they sent a link of uh, one of the stories, and we talked about this, and you, you mentioned it, and we talked about it, was that uh, the the um, the guy who did the shooting of the two Frederick City police officers have has been sent to a secure mental health facility. It is, and that, is that in your mind enough i mean because if he doesn't have the mental capacity to understand what he was doing uh is a mental facility uh punishment enough so i feel that's a two-part question i'll answer okay. the uh and far as far as the hospital is it a prison yeah it's probably a little worse than a prison but my concern isn't where he's necessarily confined. My concern is how soon he'll get out. So if you read, I think it's uh, Title Three, Section 3-109, it kind of talks about the test. And if you go read down the paragraphs more, it explains the not criminally responsible plea deal. And part of it is they just need a preponderance of evidence, which is about, like if I had to break it down in layman's terms, 51%, you know, slightly greater than 50%, uh, that he is not a danger to society, and then he'll be released. Lewis had been uh, found not a criminally responsible in Virginia for a sec uh, sexual assault, and he was found not criminally responsible for that. And I think he did like less than three months in a hospital. 
So if I sentence you to jail and I give, because he fa- was facing two life sentences for the uh, first degree attempted murder, and then second degree is like 30 years. So there's two counts of that. So he's two lives, two 30s, uh, first degree assault, which is about 25 years, if not 25 years. And then he had a use of a firearm and a violent crime, which is no more than 20, but he has to serve five. Mm-hmm. He'll be out in three. He's played the not criminally responsible game before. He played it successfully, and he won. Why would history not repeat itself? Right. Now, when he's found not criminally responsible, and they find that preponderance of evidence that he is no longer a danger to the public, it does go back before the courts. And I'm sure Charlie Smith will say, well, hey, you know, I don't think the courts will release him. Because, just because uh, a psychiatrist said he's not a danger to society, but his argument to why he couldn't fight the not criminally responsible plea is the same people said that he was not criminally responsible. So he couldn't fight that. He could fight it. He even said in court something along the effects of, uh, I mean, I could go get a different doctor, but that would be an uphill battle. I'd hate for his job to be difficult, but we have to make sure this guy goes away. So him being secured in whether it's a hospital or a jail is what's important. The fact of the matter is because he was not criminally responsible, he could be out as soon as they find uh, that he's a preponderance of evidence that he's not a danger to society. Ten days they submit or an intake review, and then that process could happen at any time that they find that he's not a danger to society anymore and released out on the streets. And the but argument's that's not but but let me ask you a question and, and you're not a judge and you're not the you're not the state's attorney but that was a decision that was made by Judge Salt not not Charlie Smith of the um, state's attorney's office right well so what happens when they find when they so the defense attorney has an obligation to bring up the fact that he's not criminally responsible right okay and then he is sent to the Department of Health evaluators in this case it was uh, dr. Lambert and Dr. Lambert then does a review, and if you read it, I'm going to do a podcast called The Twelve Immortal Judges where I'm going to put all this information up and out, and you can see the actual reports. But the bottom line is is the Dr. Lambert takes a whole bunch of things Lewis said that he did the day before, like, I don't recognize my family anymore. Like, okay, like that can't be faked, and use that evidence to find him not criminally responsible. That report is then submitted and Charlie Smith presented three pieces of evidence during the trial, which says a lot about where he thought this was going and where he wanted it to go, which was one, the body worn camera footage Two, the second piece of evidence was the not criminally responsible paperwork from Virginia. And the third piece of evidence, the last piece of evidence was the piece of uh, the Dr. Lambert's report, which found him not criminally responsible for that act that day. And that was the only three pieces of evidence he put in front of the judge. So then the suspect, Lewis, said that he was not guilty. And then they go through this, obviously, lawyer stuff that I don't really can't track as well as I can the law. Um, Then Charlie Smith presented the not criminally responsible paperwork. The judge reviewed it. They found that he did commit the acts that because of the body worn camera. And it was obvious that he did. I mean, I don't think anybody could argue that he didn't. And from there, they just 
found him guilty and then said he was not criminally responsible for the act. So, I mean, all three of them are involved. <laughs> all three of them are responsible, right. I would say. It, it, yes, it seems like um, hearing that and, well, obviously certain people know how to play the system. They always have. And um, then the system needs to kind of change a little bit so they don't get to play the system, even though this place apparently has, you know, as you said, it's a, it's a bit, you know, it's not a hospital hospital. It's a prison hospital kind of um and but it's still probably not what uh, other people are looking forward or looking towards um to have happen and as a police officer um you want to make sure that when you go out and you do your job on a daily basis and you can run into a guy who shoots you they don't that they get punished properly yeah i don't want him back out on the streets cuz right. the next time he's probably not going to shoot at a police officer he's probably going to hurt a citizen a, an innocent person yeah, absolutely. All right, we've got to uh, take a break. Uh, we'll have more coming up on the Morning News Express, and we'll wrap it up next on the Morning News Express on WMD. Controversy, fun, confrontation, <laughs> and a few laughs on Mid Maryland Live with Tim and Frank. Weekday afternoons, 3 till 6 on Free Talk 930 WFMD. Morning News Express, 846 at WFMD in the uh, studio. Retired police officer Dan Sullivan joining us, uh, talking about some things. Uh, let me ask you a question. Can I, um, I, I've heard of some things that have happened and I don't, you, you don't have to answer them if you don't want to, want to, but I'm having a trouble, uh, getting them confirmed sometimes. Okay. One of the things was, um, the, the, the gentleman, he's, I want to say a younger man, uh, who ran over the police officer in Montgomery County. Um, that that officer lost both of his legs, if I think both of them. And I had heard that he had gone on ride-alongs with Frederick City Police, even though some rank-and-file members had questions about him riding along with them. Did you, I mean, were you a patrol or walking the streets? So at that time, uh, I was out on a shoulder surgery, but I did hear that he did do ride-alongs. I don't know what the command staff's opinion was on that. I know you like, so when you do a ride-along, a you submit a form. It's basically mm -hmm. a request saying like, hey, I want to do a ride-along. And then they do a criminal background history check on you uh, because inside the car there's an NCIC Computer now, what system. is that? Uh, it's a computer system we use to do background checks. Okay. And if you're like a felon or a person of ill repute, I don't really know what exactly the correct verbiage is on the law on that one off the top of my head. But you can't be around the computer, obviously, because if you had access to that, you had access to everybody's personal information that would be accessible to a cop. And so you can't have them in there. Now, I do know... That guy had been a problem within the city. He had been he had tried to antagonize car chases. I think he had some. I want to say like uh, I don't know how I would describe it, but I think one of the guys he did a ride along with he uh, got fixated on, which caused some weird stuff. Okay, so in other words, he he was just uh, kind of crushing on the uh, police officer, or was just infatuated with uh, who he was with and got a little creepy on it. Yeah, so that guy wasn't me, but okay. uh, from my understanding, is yes, 
Yes. But that's just my understanding. But yeah, who who then approves ride-alongs? If somebody, if say you have a feeling about somebody and you're getting a little creeped out, who who's uh, who says yes or no to something like that? Uh, I think it's the patrol commander. Okay, so it doesn't go all the way to the top. It's not Chief Lando. Yeah, there you don't know. might be a signature block on there for him, but I doubt he would be down in the weeds that much i I don't have the form in front of me i mean i know for the citizen police academy most of the time the chief is aware of who's doing the ride-alongs because they're obviously in the citizens police academy and they're kind of you know they're investing more time in the police department and it's a fun program but uh so they track them a little bit more but uh, i don't know he might have i don't know all right last question because we have to go um and that is um, in your opinion, now you are now retired, mm-hmm. is the Frederick City Police Department heading in the correct direction? Well, that's a tough question. Uh, I would say that the police, the Frederick Police Department is, one, a great police department. Uh, if you look at, like, like, I don't want to compare myself to Baltimore City, that being... You know, the officers down there have a lot to deal with. They, you know, their equipment, they have budget shortfalls. That's kind of like the struggling end of the spectrum. We're definitely kind of at the higher end of the spectrum. There are things in regards to um, a little bit more support. Like the police officers want to do their job. They want to go out. They, no offense, a uh, police officer doesn't really want to do coffee with the cop, with the citizens, because they'd rather be out there trying to catch a bad guy doing something horrible. You know, they obviously mm-hmm. have to do traffic and stuff like that, which has kind of decreased since COVID and, you know, the war on the police or whatever you want to call it, defund police movement. They would rather be doing that. There needs to be more support for the officers to get, to feel comfortable to go out there and actually do that job because that is their job. Um, and I think that is where we are failing that is where I've seen failure. Dan Sullivan, thank you for your service. First of all, we need to have you back. I've got other questions that would uh, love to have you come back sometime, uh, but we've got to go. I appreciate your service. Thank you so much for being on the Morning News Express. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. Pet of the Week coming up next at WFMD. Hey, this is Dan Ingolstadt, head men's basketball coach of Mount St. Mary's University, and the season is here. Tune in to Free Talk 930 WFMD each week and catch all the excitement of the 23-24 season. Visit mountathletics.com for the full schedule and to purchase tickets. 